Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. I'm doing good. I make big bucks. My 401k is doing... Man, the dial this week, 10,000... Man, I'm just feeling comfortable. My wife's got a new thing here. I got a new thing here. We just put a boat over there. The kids over here. Kids are off into college doing this and that. Man, things, my health is great. Man, I just enjoy life. But when you are alone and no one's around, somewhere inside, there's an empty feeling. Among the many heartening aspects of God's grace, one of the most comforting is the fact that failure doesn't mean the end of a relationship with Him. In our relationships with others, there have been times when one person offended the other in a way that was deemed irreparable. Family relationships become strained. Friendships struggle. Marriages end. We don't have the capacity for forgiveness like Jesus does, although He can lead us to that understanding. Our pasts, as wretched as they might be, could never destroy the vast love the Lord has for us. Once forgiven, all is forgotten. You can have a new life, a clean start. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 21, verse 4, with today's study entitled, New Beginnings. into religion here. We're into your life being changed. As I look at all the people this weekend and many of the other churches, the most disastrous thing that can ever happen in your life is this, that you leave unchanged, not born again, plain church. You say, well, I I don't want to admit it to some of my other teenage friends or to my husband or my wife or whatever. Hey, Being guilty and being empty is a miserable feeling. You need to be real. So when the disciples had nothing, by the way, that's what life is. Life without Jesus just simply leaves you empty. The next verse we hear is verse 4. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood by the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. It was dark. They had just done daylight savings time, and they couldn't figure what time it was, and they couldn't see. They were about 100 yards offshore from Jesus. And Jesus called out to them, even though they didn't know who he was, and he says to them, friends, have you any fish? And they responded, no. What they really were saying to themselves, like, you know, thanks a lot. Can't you see the empty net sitting on the side of the boat here? No, we worked all night. There aren't any fish. Why'd you even ask? Their empty life, their empty net proved it. Can you imagine when Jesus calls out from the shore, he sees all those empty nets, and he calls out to the shore, and he says to his disciples, you have any fish out there? And they respond, oh yes, we have many fish when their nets are empty. That's exactly what some of you are doing this morning. 
When we talk about sin, when we talk about your life being full, I'll say to you, do you know you're going to heaven? Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? Well, I'm religious. I'm not talking about that. Do you know Jesus Christ? Well, I'm busy in the church. I'm active doing this. That's not what I'm asking. We don't want to admit we're guilty. We don't want to admit our life is empty. You see, but most of us substitute things for spirituality. And you'll talk to a businessman, he say, I'm doing good, I make big bucks, my 401k is doing, man, the Dow this week, 10,000. Man, I'm just feeling comfortable. My wife's got a new thing here, I got a new thing here, we just put a boat over there, the kid's over here, kids are off into college, doing this and that. Man, things, my health is great. Man, I'm just enjoying life. But when you are alone, and no one's around, somewhere inside, there's an empty feeling. Even for a teen with all this stuff going on, something is not fulfilled. How did that happen? Because God put it there. You see, every one of you, including me, were created to know God personally. And if you miss everything else, catch this. Unless you know Jesus Christ personally, unless you come to that knowledge, your life will always be empty. You'll have lots of activity, but you'll be totally empty. So the disciples were honest. They said, no, we don't have any fish. Well, look what happens next. And Jesus said... Well, throw the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Can you imagine what they were saying? You know, some stupid stranger on the side. I mean, we'd be fishing. I'm what, they think I got crazy or what? We'd throw it on the right side 20 times. But look what they did. When they did. See, when you obey God, when you say, I need you, God. I admit my sin. I'm not born again. I'm going to come to you. I, I'm not walking down the right road. When you do it. Look what happened. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. In fact, verse 11 tells us 153 fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, who was John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. So let's put ourselves. Peter, you're in the boat. You're Peter. John's there and the other four or five disciples are there. And John is the kind of the mathematician, the smart one of the group. And he's thinking, zero fish, nada, Nothing. Stranger calls, right side, 153. Zero, nada, nothing. It's the Lord! Now why would he say that? Because he'd been with Jesus around the Sea of Galilee for three and a half years. And he saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And when he looked in his life, and when he saw those fish, he said... This isn't a guy that knows the fishing spot. That's God. That's the Lord. And I want to say to you this morning, when you finally get rid of your pride and look in your life, if you find anything good in your life, here's what you need to say. It's the Lord. Nothing good in our lives unless it's from God. Nothing. It's all God. It isn't us. It's all God. And John knew it. Now, what do you think Peter did? Well, you know already. Let's take a look at it. See, these memories caused, caused John and Peter to go, Whoa, whoa, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. If you've ever been to the Jordan, 
and you go and you get baptized by us, when you get out, the water's dirty because you were in it. That water isn't going to heal you. We're not into water. We're not into church. We're not into form. We're into a person, Jesus Christ. The only person that's going to change you from death to life is Jesus, not some holy water. There is no holy water. It's just water. Some of it's treated better. Than, it's, it's a shame because people think water is going to change you. No, water isn't going to change you. Jesus Christ is going to change you. It's a personal relationship. It's not form. It's not religion. So what you see there is without God, your life is empty and guilty. Life with Jesus is abundant and fulfilling. It's the greatest lifestyle in the world. I had an individual stop me this week and came into the office and he said, he's a young guy, early 20s, I can't tell you what God's done for me. In the last nine months, he just changed my life drastically. I've gone from a person that didn't have any direction to the most exciting thing, and I just love Jesus so much. An individual stopped me at the service last night, and he says, I can't tell you, but God is, he's probably mid-30s. He said, God has so changed my life, my relatives don't believe it. And I'm sending them all four tapes to hear your teaching. They don't believe that can happen. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you'll find Jesus Christ, your life will change. Awesome changes in your life. Only because the power of God. Number four, God's forgiveness includes forgetting. Verse 7, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, well, you know what Peter did. He wrapped his outer garment off on him, and he had taken it off, swims a hundred yards to shore. Everybody else comes in the boat, but Peter swims. You know, Peter. Now, why did Peter do that? Here's why. Just write this verse down, Psalm 103.12. It says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Here's why Peter did it. Peter knew that his sins had been forgiven. And here's the other great thing. His former sins had been forgotten. Nobody was going to dredge up the old stuff again. His life had been changed. You see, he swam to shore and was excited to personally meet with Jesus. If you're guilty, or if you don't believe Jesus has forgiven you, you're not interested in meeting Jesus. In fact, if you're guilty this morning and you're not ready to turn your heart, you're hoping this thing's over quick. Because you hate being guilty. When we're forgiven, it's wonderful to serve God. And that's why guilt should not drive you away from God, but it should bring you to Jesus Christ, just like Peter. Now we're going to look at three failures of Peter, and I want to prove to you through the scriptures that I believe that Peter's sins not only were forgiven, but forgotten. The first one is this. Remember what time of the day is it that Peter swam to the shore? It's early morning. What happens early morning out in the country? What kind of animals do you hear? A rooster. We have one in our neighborhood. He's crazy. He cock a doodle doos all night long. He's on Viagra or something. I don't know what's wrong with the guy. <laughs> He's just totally goofy. Well, probably on this morning, we don't know it for sure, but probably on this morning, early in the morning, Peter heard this. Cock a doodle doo. And here's what Satan no doubt said to him. Peter, remember the last time you heard a rooster crow? It was a time just 
after you denied the Lord for the third time. No, I believe that Peter said, no, I'm forgiven. My sins are forgotten. And when Peter heard a rooster, here's all Peter said. It's a brand new day. The rooster was right. It's a brand new day. No condemnation. You see, Satan's out to keep dredging up your old sins when they've been forgiven and forgotten. The other Verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the full net of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And so Simon Peter climbed aboard. He dragged the net to the shore. And it was full of large fish, 153. But even so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, well, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. You see, when Peter came to the shore by himself, Jesus had already built a little fire. He got the Weber grill going and put some fish on it, man. It was going to be a nice morning. No, you know the kind. He built a little charcoal fire. And there was this little charcoal fire there, and Jesus had already got some fish. We don't know whether he created them or got them out of the lake or stopped by McDonald's for fish nuggets, whatever. He, he had them there. And he had some bread. And I believe when Satan, let's just picture it, let's picture that fire right up there. And Peter's getting out of there, all wet out of the boat, and he goes over there. And he, he comes up to this fire, and he's a little chilly in the morning, and he starts warming himself by a fire. And I believe Satan said, hey, Pete. Remember the last time you warmed yourself by a fire? It was the first time when you said, I don't know Jesus. Well, Jesus, Satan says, has built this little fire to remind you of your sin. I don't believe that at all. You see, Peter had already been forgiven. And when God forgives you, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. Satan's the one that wants to condemn you. He's the accuser of the brethren. Why do you go there? Why do you allow him to dredge up that stuff? Take the tape of your sins, and instead of playing that sin, when you had trouble, when you're in the back car with that person, when you took drugs, when you had that adulterous affair, take that thing and destroy it by the grace of God. If you've asked forgiveness, you're a new person. And that fire didn't remind him of that at all. It was a picture of grace. Jesus wanted to be with his disciples. He wanted to restore Peter, listen, publicly, publicly before his disciples. Number five, God's forgiveness includes full restoration. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And these could be the fish, fishing, could be the disciples, or could be the love they had for Christ that should be more than the disciples because that's what Peter claimed. Remember, Peter said, if they all fall away, hey, I'm the man. I love you more. So Jesus says, Peter, you love me more than these. Yes, Lord, he says, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. By the way, in, in the book of 1 Peter, 2 Peter, when Peter writes, this is what he talks about, being a pastor. A pastor is to feed the flock and to tend the flock. That's what we're here to do. And in Sunday you come, you're going to get the word of God fed to you. You're not my sheep. You're God's sheep. 
And that's what he was saying to Peter. Peter, if you love me, then feed my sheep, tend my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me, he said. And Peter said, Lord, hmm, you know all things. You know I love you. What was Jesus saying there? I believe Jesus was not trying to bring up the three times that Peter denied himself and go, okay, one for that, one for that, one for that. Now we're all equal. No, what Jesus, I believe, was saying here was this, Peter, you've repented. I've forgiven you of all your sins. That's in the past. I'm looking for a new commitment. Peter, I want to see if you've learned your lesson. And we know in the scripture that Jesus uses the word love there. The first two times Jesus uses the word love, it's the word agape. And it means this, sacrificial, deep, all-intensive kind of love. And I'll use that this morning like this. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? A hundred percent. And the old Peter would have said what? 110%. The word Peter uses when he says, I love you, is phileo. And it means basically this, I like you. In other words... He's saying, not a hundred, would you take 70%? And I'm not even sure about the 70 at the moment. Would Jesus take 70%? You betcha. Jesus takes us where we're at. He said, well, I love God 100% this morning. Careful. Careful. I don't know that any of us even come close. I believe what Jesus was saying to Peter, you finally get it. And Peter finally says in the end, God, you do get it. I do get it. You know how much I love you. I say 70, maybe it's 50, you know. You know, but Jesus said, I'm still ready to take you where you're at. Peter, if you truly love me with whatever you can work up, follow me in your power. That's the old Peter. No, follow me in my power, Peter. And I'll take the 50 and we'll make it 60. And then 65. And then 80. In 85, by then, you're probably out of here. You see, that's what life is. It's learning to love God more. Not in my strength, but in His. The last point this morning is this. God has a great plan for your life. Choose to discover it. Jesus had been with Peter for three and a half years. When he first picked Peter, he saw great potential. Probably you and I would have seen Peter and said, You want him? to be one of your disciples. But after all of Peter's failures, Peter was forgiven, his sins were forgotten, and he was restored. And Jesus says in verse 17, finally, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, I know you've blown it. I know you've blown it, but that's forgiven. It's in the past. You now are not finished. You, you have just begun. I'm putting you back into service. Peter, this is your fourth Chance. Fourth new beginning. How many are you on? Fourth new beginning. You see, God loved Peter so much, and we know from the scripture, here's the last verse I want you to look at, verse 19. By the way, or verse 18 says to Peter, Jesus says, you know how you're going to die, Peter? You're going to die crucified. And Peter died crucified on a cross upside down because he wasn't worthy. But then Jesus says, here's the key to loving me. Verse 19, then follow me. In the Greek, it means this, keep on following me. You're on the right road now, keep on following me. And the book of Acts shows that Peter's life was changed because the potential was still, he put him right back into service. 
God's plan for your life this morning is awesome. You heard the band sing, Before the world began, you were on his mind. And nothing you can do, nothing you've done in the past, will destroy his love for you. And no door will shut. Because Jesus' famous words through the Bible are always this, Come, come, come to the Father. We're going to take a moment and we're going to make some decisions today. Do you remember earlier I, uh, I said that you're going to make a choice? No one is ever going to force you to accept Jesus Christ. When you accept Jesus Christ, it has to come from an act of your will. Here's the question you want to ask yourself. If I would die today, do I know that I've been born again? Remember, the scripture said you must be born again. You're a sinner unless you've come and acknowledged Jesus Christ. Unless you've asked forgiveness. You say, well, I don't believe all that. One day, oh, you'll believe it. And let me just say this in love. There's a time coming when you die. Every second chance is gone. Some of you have been raised to believe that after you die, there's this limbo land where somebody can pray you from that into heaven. That's wrong. The Bible says, when you breathe your last, if you're a Christian, heaven. If you've refused Jesus Christ and his love, hell. It's not God. It's your choice. I did a funeral for a 19-year-old, I told you. A lady in this church called me and she said, I'm trying to make the decision whether to pull the plug in my husband. He's in critical care. I don't know what to do. The very first question I ask is, does he know the Lord Jesus Christ? She said, yes. I said, make the decision a lot easier. I'm not going to tell you, but it does. You're going to die. I'm going to die. And some of you are going to walk out of here and go, man, this was another great Easter. Don't do it. God's spoken to your heart. Teenager, you've been playing at religion. You need to get right with God. And some of you here have never, ever taken the first step. Here's the thing you have to do. Number one, you have to recognize you're a sinner. You can't say, oh, my net's full. No, you say, I've never taken that step, Pastor Mark. I need to accept Jesus. Secondly, you have to recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. For everyone. Before the world began, you were on his mind. Is that awesome or what? Third, you have to repent. If you want to come this morning and get fire insurance, go back to living your life, sit in your seat. You're playing with God. And that's the person that will stand before God in judgment day and say, well, I did all these religious things. And God's going to say, I never knew you. Now, we laugh about that, but you are eternally lost. It's too late. Fourth, see, repent means change your way and follow Jesus Christ. Some of you are Christians here this morning, but you're prodigals. You've been a long way from God. You used to come to church. You used to do, you're, I don't know what road you're on, but you're way from God. God says this morning, hey, be real. Admit it. Come back to God. You need to make a new beginning this morning. You say, well, Pastor Mark, if you knew all the stuff that I did, well, I've gone away. I'm not interested in any of that stuff. If you'll come, Jesus will forgive. He'll forget. He'll give you a brand new start. You see, Peter had to worry about fires and three, numbers three and roosters. Maybe you're worrying about sex and drugs and crime and just apathy. And Don't allow the enemy to condemn you. You come this morning. As we heard today, guilt can be a tool of the enemy. When we sin, we feel guilt in order to bring us back to God. But once we're forgiven, God forgets. 
When we let that baggage go, we can focus on learning how to love God more. Peter went from being overly prideful in his confidence in his commitment to Jesus to being honest and open to his instruction. After all his failures, Peter was forgiven and his sins were forgotten. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll find out what the followers of Jesus had to deal with following His death on the cross. They're a group of believers who are accustomed to worshiping God in a certain way. And all of that is about change. The mission will be clear, but the follow-through is the challenge. Pastor Mark takes us through the struggles and blessings of those changes and how they apply to our churches today. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 